You're tuned in to the frequency of the crypto revolution. Your host, Daryl Bryan. Chat, chat, money. AKA BitChapo. Bringing you the latest in Bitcoins, altcoins, news events, price volatility, and the knowledge they don't want you to know. 100% facts, no printer, is the most lit podcast in all of cryptocurrency. Vibrations out of this world. And and, and it all begins right now. Yachty, no! It's going down. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In Bitcoin We Trust. I'll be your host, Daryl Bryan. A.K.A. Bitchapo. You are tuned into the frequency of the crypto revolution. Today we have an amazing podcast for you, so stick around till the end. Our lineup includes mainstream adoption. What does it really mean? How does it impact people? And how long does it take for something to become mainstream? So let's get into it. When we talk about mainstream, we normally think about something being widely used, popular, you can find it easily accessible, and overall, everyone knows about it. But what does it take for something to become mainstream? Well, in this episode, we're going to give three examples of our favorite industries or products that have become mainstream, and the process and longevity of how it took to become mainstream. So let's begin. The first one we're going to take a look at is untraditional, but I think it's kind of lighthearted to start with, and that's dental floss. If you're unfamiliar about what dental floss is, then I suggest you talk to your dentist. <laughs> but overall, dental floss is not something that's new. Dental floss has been tracked all the way to the prehistoric period. Now, flossing your teeth may seem natural to us in today's day, but around 200 years ago was the main invention of dental floss. An American dentist in 1815 named Levi Speer Farmley introduced waxen silk thread as floss. He also produced a book titled A Practical Guide to Management of Teeth. And he states in this book that silk thread that a silk thread should be run through the teeth in order to remove food debris stuck between the teeth. We may think that this invention, although mind-blowing at the time, would have instant popularity. Who wouldn't want to have clean teeth? But in contrast to what we may think happened, dental floss did not become a big hit. Most people still prefer toothpicks. Matter of fact, many wealthy men such as Charles Dickens, they had retractable ivory toothpicks engraved in their initials. So, toothpicks were the mainstream back then. But around mid-20th century, flossing became more widespread. The father of preventative dentistry, known as Dr. Charles C. Bass, developed nylon floss during World War II. It was noted that nylon floss became more durable and much more elastic than silk thread. By the time the war ended, floss had become the standard. Now I want you to think about this. The initial invention was 1815. I'm pretty sure many people saw floss as a potential use into cleaning their teeth, but because it wasn't popular, no one really had a need for it. 
Now, when World War II ended, there are many soldiers already using floss, people already using floss, so now everyone's using floss. This is an example of how a technology takes time to become mainstream. The first thing necessary is information. If no one knows what it is, if no one has an idea of what it can do to benefit you and your life, then why bother switching from an already invented means of use, such as a toothpick? Now we still have toothpicks here today, but more people tend to use flossing at their daily and morning rituals. Segwaying to our next topic, much more relatable to cryptocurrency are credit cards. Much more relatable to cryptocurrency are credit cards. Now you own a credit card or several, and if you don't, I'll give you a brief definition. <laughs> a credit card is a small plastic card containing a means of identification, such as a signature, and this authorizes a person whose name is signed to it to charge for goods or services to an account. A credit card is typically charged, you make payments with it periodically, but credit cards weren't invented at first for the public. Matter of fact, the origin of credit card use was for businesses, such as individual firms, oil companies, hotel chains. They began to give these credit cards to customers for purchases made at company outlets. This was originated in 1920, okay? It took 30 years later for the first universal credit card, which was introduced by the Diners Club in 1950. Eight years later, another major credit card was introduced by the American Express Company, and this type was known as a travel and entertainment card. Under this new system, the credit card company charged its cardholders an annual fee and bills them on a periodic basis, usually monthly. We can see that this technology, although it was invented in 1920, still was not mainstream 38 years later. It took the invention or reinvention of Bank of America in 1958 to really create a card that was used for the everyday consumer. Now this card was introduced with interest or quote-unquote carrying charges. So now we have a national plan to start from a statewide basis and to spread nationally so that many merchants could accept and use credit cards. As we begin to see the use started to grow and people started to accept credit cards more and more. The credit card system you can choose to pay in installments or pay in full. This was a thought process that wasn't occurred back then. Back in 1920, you, you could only pay in full. There was no option to pay in payments. Now payments are normal to us. You know, if you have a mortgage, you pay rent, you know what payments are. You pay, you know, every month, bi-weekly, whatever your schedule is. but Payments are revolutionary in the aspect that they are an evolution of the initial system of credit. Could you imagine if we still held the use of paying a credit card in full right now instead of payment? 
this would mean a lot of us wouldn't have high credit card limits because we couldn't pay it off in full, right? As we begin to see a common theme, a technology is introduced. It takes time for it to get widely used. During this time, improvements are made. People need to cause improvements. Why improvements made? For ease of use, for customer experience, so that people can easily segue themselves into a new existing technology. Now, I don't have to tell you that in 2018, credit cards are mainstream. But back in 1920, if I told you about a credit card, you, you would have probably said to me, yeah, I know that some hotels use them, but they don't allow us to use it. This is the same way that Bitcoin is being treated right now. We are seeing that Bitcoin is in its infancy stages. It's being refined by many amazing programmers in the field. And many other cryptocurrencies are coming up to the plate, stepping up to the plate and offering their own improvements upon Bitcoin's flaws or Bitcoin's potential sharp edges. Now, our third example that was once used for business practices, but not yet mainstream, the car industry of leasing. Leasing, of course, is nothing new. Leasing, in fact, traces back all the way to 1750 BC. We can see that leasing was originated by Hammurabi, author of the Code of Hammurabi, which brought forth the first leasing laws. Now, this was reintroduced in the 1870s. In this instance, it was mainly used to lease railroad cars, trains. Leasing stretched all the way to telephones by the company Bell. A second surge emerged in 1918, the rent-a-car. Now, renting a car, however, is not the same as leasing. Just a different evolution of the traditional form of buying a car. We're already seeing that mainstream ideas such as buying a car influences other ideas, leasing, renting a car, etc. In 1960s, leasing widened its use crossing over to Europe, but not before the idea of asset collateral came in place. The idea was, how could you ensure that I'm going to get my money from my car in case something happens to it? You give me an asset, something that is worth approximately the value of the car, and I hold this in case you cannot make payments or you wreck my car. But with the widespread use of leasing now gaining traction in Europe, we are seeing tons and tons of innovation coming. To put this all in perspective, leasing's initial debut released and the early years, no one even wanted it. No one found a reason to use it, a technology that comes in and no one has any idea how to use it, how to manipulate it, how to work it. It's hard to use, unavailable to the public and unrefined. This can be compared to Bitcoin in its early stages. Bitcoin right now, as I speak, is unrefined. We have no idea the future of where that technology will be. It's hard to use as day-to-day -day usage for the average person. However, we have an amazing set of programmers and developers dedicated to providing us the best user experiences possible. And not only user experiences, but also we are seeing them create new functionalities of the network. Leasing, dental flaws, 
credit cards. These are all examples of products and technologies that were initially debuting to the public but no one found a reason to use them. It was only until the mainstream adoption was caused by a factor of seeking alternative methods or finding better solutions. People are either motivated by the flaws of their life and wanting to ease the use of their day-to-day -day lives or they're motivated by the benefits of something, something additionally gaining them more use, more functionality in their day-to-day -day lives. Mainstream adoption and leasing came during 2008, right in the middle of the recession. Evidence can be seen that the main cause was falling value retention of the cars bought. If you buy a car and you go to turn it in, you don't want to see that you're down so many thousands of dollars. You bought a car at a certain price, you don't want to see that much percentage down. So a favorable alternative, leasing. Customers in the marketplace, they are smart, they are wise. People as a whole are wise. We want the best things possible. We don't want to get something and have hard usage of an item. We want something easy, something simple, something that can provide us with additional value that we can honestly justify switching over from our traditional methods. In comparing the use case of fiat currency to cryptocurrency, we can see that fiat has a lot of solutions. First of all, it's stable, relatively. Bitcoin is highly volatile, but still not as volatile as other failing economies. Many benefits can be seen, negatives can be seen as well, but the ultimate thing is that we are in the beginning stages right now, and as we step into the future, we are going to need developers, programmers, people on the ground sharing adoption. We need all the help we can get in this revolution. We're not toward mainstream adoption. Just because you hear about Bitcoin at a party doesn't mean that everyone's using Bitcoin. Just wait until you can get an oil change and you can see that you can pay in Bitcoin. Or you're going to McDonald's and you can buy a sandwich in Bitcoin. That is when mainstream adoption is reaching its peak. Right now, we are in the infancy stages, as I've said before, and we are only heading toward up. Where is up? Total widespread use cases around the globe, worldwide, not just for the upper 1%, but for the 99% as a whole. This wraps up today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the frequency of the crypto revolution. If you learned something new from this podcast, please share with a friend. Follow us on social media, Twitter at we underscore Bitcoin, Instagram at we underscore Bitcoin. We post show updates for upcoming episodes, retweets of critical news, and memes just for fun. All of our information used, including links and music, are credited in the show notes slash description. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Crypto Revolution, the most lit podcast in all of cryptocurrency. 100% facts, no printer. Follow us on Twitter and stay in the loop. Peace, love, and light. See you soon.